Dateline, July 18th, 2010. Well, g'day folks, it's Steve here for episode 106 of the Ausdesk, and with me is, well, I guess what's left of Grant McCarran. Jeez, you all right there, mate? Yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm, I'm, I'm croaking along. I'm mostly here. I think this is one of those little flu things I picked up during my balloonatic phase the other week. Yeah, well, of course, you know, I've been suffering with a cold and flu for most of this winter, so, uh, you know, it's, it's only fair that you pick up something as well. Yeah, well, you know, I've got to keep you balanced, mate balance that's what it's all about here at the Ausdesk so let's get into a couple of news stories it's actually been a reasonable news week down under this week so uh, the first one we're going to talk about this week is Air New Zealand are they planning to buy a stake in Virgin Blue or not well the famous and dreaded sources within the company are indicating that Air New Zealand may be going to buy a chunk of Virgin Blue shares and you know that's that's quite interesting given that they're doing this uh, trans-Tasman alignment and and code share but that that does not involve any shareholding or anything like that and there's it, it, if they're going to buy shares it's going to really raise a lot of um, competition uh, issues and things like that so naturally Air New Zealand is denying it madly they uh, sent out a press release um, as soon as the news started to circulate and they've they've denied that any of this is happening at all so yeah we could apply the old rule of thumb that the more somebody denies it the the more likely it is to really happen perhaps yeah the interesting thing is here that air new zealand has issued a statement to the australian securities exchange uh, in which it said that quote air new zealand is conscious that the airline alliances as such as the one planned with virgin blue frequently include an an equity aspect but the proposed alliance does not do so uh, they are denying it pretty heavily there and if they're saying it to the to the asx grant well um you know they, they'd want to be careful about saying something and then changing their mind very quickly yeah it's either it's definitely not happening or uh, if you read between the lines and the way it's written, it's not happening the way that everyone says it's going to happen. So they can turn around and do something that's different to what they said because, oh, no, no, we just said we wouldn't do A, but here we are doing B, which looks a lot like A but isn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. There's a lot of stuff going on about Air New Zealand and, and Virgin with their trans-Tasman tie-up. There's a lot of stuff going on with Virgin itself, Virgin Blue, and the whole V Australia, V Pacific, all that kind of stuff because here's the, late, the next piece about Virgin is that uh, there appears to be a name change delay. Uh, we thought it was going to be Singapore Airlines that they needed to get it agreed with there, but uh, it seems that Virgin Group in general is having a disagreement with Virgin Blue that is impacting the, and delaying the relaunch of the airline. So it may not be the start of next year. It'll, it, we may have to wait until then to find out what's happening, which will probably make uh, Dom John Borghetti a little upset. But there's an indication in this article here in Australian Aviation, our favourite ma- aviation magazine. Yeah, absolutely. It says that around the time that uh, V Australia was named, Virgin Blue attempted to trademark the name V Pacific, but the Virgin Group apparently blocked it. So, Steve, you may have been right. They may have been going for V Pacific instead of V Australia. Yeah, I might still I still like the way Virgin Pacific sounds. I don't, I don't know where they get this V from, but, uh, you know, anyway, Virgin, I, I think it sounds, it rolls off the tongue nicely. So I should have laid some money on that with you last week, mate. Yeah, I think so, but it's not definite yet. I could still win on V Australia and, you know, V for victory, mate. That's <laughs> well, there but you just, go. But just interesting that now it's Virgin Blue going up against their own headquarters in the Virgin Group, yeah. uh, causing some trouble. So, yeah, we're not out of the woods yet, and maybe we're going to have to wait until the start of next year to find out what on earth's happening with uh, 
with the Virgin Group. But uh, something we don't have to wait for the start of next year for is that the Qantas Group reckons they're going to have their 787 deliveries early in 2012. Uh, they're going to receive the 7878 and they're also going to uh, receive a few 7879s when they come out. So during 2012, they reckon they're going to receive 15 787s. Well, nothing like being optimistic, mate. How's the uh, testbed aircraft going Going over there in Seattle? Uh, I, I think it's done, you know, several hundred or maybe even several thousand hours now. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, well, it's done a lot of testing, but uh, the fir- there has been a rumbling that ANA may have to wait a little longer for their first delivery. The first indications have come up that that delivery date to ANA may slip out further than the um, end of this year. Yeah, they're saying here that Jetstar's getting the uh, the, the 800 series uh, from 2012, as Grant said, and uh, the uh, Dash 9s, uh, they'll be delivered from 2014. So still a few years away, but Qantas has placed a lot of stock and a lot of time and I guess a lot of dollars in uh, getting these aircraft across here to Australia and getting them running. So I guess uh, from that standpoint, the sooner they can get that happening, the happier they'll be. Oh yeah, because that lets them give the A330s back from Jetstar to Qantas, which lets them finalise the retirement of their 767s. So Qantas can get rid of those aircraft, which are getting pretty long in the tooth now. Um, It also means that Jetstar will be able to base the aircraft probably in Singapore and open up uh, Europe. The indications are that Jetstar is waiting for these aircraft to be able to push hard into Europe and most likely they will be based in Singapore, which means there's a high chance that they will be uh, registered in Singapore. At the moment, the indications are that if you want to register an aircraft in Singapore, you've got to have a 51% Singaporean owned and controlled entity to register that. But there may be a loophole that lets them get through with an entity that's owned by other Singaporean companies that in turn are also owned by others. So technically, Australia still controls it, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, that all just sounds far too complex for my simple mind, mate. Let's move on to something a little bit local. And uh, we've talked before on the Ausdesk about uh, Australia's uh, most predominant, I guess, uh, regional carrier, which is regional. Express, better known as Rex, they've been voted recently the uh, the best regional airline on the planet. That's right. According to Aviation Weekend Space Technology magazine, they reckon Rex is the top performing regional airline of the world. Woohoo! Yay. From down under, we strike. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. There we go. So, the ranking was based on an examination of all publicly traded airlines in the world, looking at uh, financial ratios, uh, 19 financial ratios compiled over a period of 10 years. So this wasn't a this wasn't a cut. A consumer, a consumer survey or anything like that. This was assessing the publicly available data on the financial performance of these regional airlines. Yeah, they run a great fleet of uh, Saab 340 aircraft. I think a lot of those ones actually they bought originally from the US. They were running with uh, United or one of those. Yeah, they did have a lot of 340As and now they're mostly 340Bs. But uh, the, another interesting part and in linking back to our previous story is that um, Rex is actually partially owned and managed by a Singaporean organisation. Yeah, there's not a lot of other regional carriers around. Probably the next biggest one would be Qantas Link, uh, which is a conglomeration of uh, a number of uh, smaller companies that all sort of operate under the Qantas Link banner. So uh, yeah, Rex, they do well to hold their own and uh, they they provide a very important service uh, going out to a lot of the larger regional cities that perhaps wouldn't otherwise have uh, airline service at all and uh, perhaps back in the older days, as I've said many times before, would have been instead serviced by the railways. Yes, and Rex also have their pilot academy where uh, you can learn to fly the Saabs and uh 
by selling your soul to Rex for a period of, I think it's about five or seven years, you're, uh, they'll train you and then you work that training bond off by flying for them. Mm. So make sure that they don't train people up who then get snapped up by the majors. Well, they might not be flying anywhere, Grant, if uh, the, the next story we've got on the list here is true. It looks like there might be a fuel strike coming up. Yeah, well, that's, that's right, mate. The Transport Workers Union is claiming that flights around Australia could be disrupted next week if fuel workers strike over a pay dispute. Uh, what's happening is that uh, permanent staff are uh, being paid more than their casual colleagues to do the same job. So the labour hire section of the workforce would have their wages reduced between 14000 and 16000 Aussie dollars a year um, and that they would pay the direct hire employees who do the exact same work under the exact supervision in the same clothes, a 5% wage increase each year for the next four years. So, yeah, this is this is a uh, casual group not happy with what's happening with the permanent group and possibility of a strike. Yeah, well, look, you, you, this is this is a very common thing. You see this a lot in the airline game, actually, uh, to be honest, in this country where a lot of stuff is, is outsourced to these labour hire uh, organisations who just... Just do it cheaper, and uh, it's not only the airlines, I guess, and, and I'm sure our friends in the United States would be seeing the same sort of thing really everywhere. I mean, a lot of companies now just would prefer to pay some somebody else to pay their own employees to do it for a contracted rate for as cheap as possible, and, and it looks like it's uh, that's what's happening here. The interesting thing is that uh, fuel workers in this country tend to try and go on strike around Christmas, and uh, last time I looked, it's only the middle of the year, so yeah, uh, it's, it's not Christmas the in July, holiday. It's not the it's not the winter holidays they've been. It's like yeah, what what who are they trying to disrupt by going out on Wednesday next week. Oh, yeah. What were they it's thinking? Bad timing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but- well, we'll see what happens because this will impact Qantas and Jetstar the most because they use Australian fuel services to refuel their aircraft. Yep. Okay, a couple of quick ones just before we finish, Grant. Uh, tell me this is not true. Another low-cost carrier coming to Australia? Uh, yes, there's a chance. Uh, Indonesian carrier Lion Air has been looking at Australia for a number of years and uh, considering that they'd like to start flying here in Australia. And maybe they've been watching Tiger and seeing how they're doing so well despite their crap performance and bad service and so on and Lionel may be thinking well hey you know we could just do the same and make some money here so uh, mm-hmm. yeah Lion Air from Indonesia very possible that they will be uh, starting they're just waiting for government approval to launch services apparently well that's very nice of them to come here because I'm getting tired of picking on Tiger Airways so you know nice to pick on another cat well yeah exactly we can have Tiger and Lion and, yeah. and you know and set uh, the two against each other yeah not fly either of them anyway speaking <laughs> of planes that are not flying uh, we mentioned last week the MRH 90 that the uh, the Australian Defence Forces are ordering here, and we also mentioned that they're granted. Well, Grant, according to this article on AustralianAviation.com.au, they're still granted. That's right. It's been nearly three months since a um, an aircraft experienced an engine failure near Adelaide. It, uh, quite a catastrophic engine failure, by the way. The whole turbine just fragmented itself and destroyed itself. They've grounded the entire fleet and they're still investigating and figuring it out. So this is not a real good mark for the MRH-90. And as, as we said last week, this is probably a reason why we have very probably gone to the Team Romeo solution for the Navy helicopter. The uh, it, w- it was up against the NH-90, which is a, d- a navalized derivative of the MRH-90. But with all our MRH-90s grounded because of this, maybe it didn't look so good at them and they've gone with Sikorsky. It's also very interesting that the engine in question is also used in a number of European NH-90s, the uh, AW-101s and uh, Apaches as well at the British Army, but none of them have been grounded. It's just our ones. It's going to make so, you wonder whether this has just been a freak happening and, you know, this, this sort of thing could happen, you know, I'm tipping to, to any sort of engine. I mean, it's, it may just be a one-off thing, not something that's, you know, uh, endemic to, to, to all of these aircraft. And, and like you say, they are used extensively in other parts of the world. So uh, yeah. it could be a lot of politics going on. And, of course, uh, since we last spoke to our listeners, 
listeners on the Airplane Geek Show, Australia is now in uh, election mode. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, political posturing going on over this and many other right. subjects over the next um, the next five weeks until hopefully we've got a, a new government. Anyway, speaking of things that are going away, Grant, <laughs> like hopefully our government. <laughs> and just but these ones, unfortunately, are going away too soon. Yes. The F-111s are doing their uh, last ever international defence exercise before they get retired at the end of the year. Flying alongside aircraft from New Zealand. What? They saw, oh, yeah, that's right. They're P3s. Um, oh, so right. Fly, yeah. <laughs> Oops. I was thinking combat aircraft for a second. But, yeah, no, F-111s will be flying alongside uh, Kiwi aircraft, Singaporean and Thai air forces as part of the pitch black exercise in the Northern Territory. It's uh, pitch black exercise. is a lot of fun to watch. Um, all the aircraft staging in and out of places like Darwin, Cairns and Townsville. Mm. But, yeah, it's it's going to be sad to see them go. This is their last ever um, international exercise. And I just wish they could keep them going until, you know, March. Just keep a few on hand until March or so, just so we could see them one last time at the next Avalon Air Show next year. Yeah, not going to happen, mate, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Uh, Air Commodore Mel Hupford uh, from the Royal Australian Air Force says that the F-111s have served Australia well for the past 37 years, and I reckon he'd be right. But, unfortunately, uh, all good things must come to an end. And, uh, you know, we, this has been in the in the works for, for well over 12 months now, the retirement of this aircraft type. And now we've, we've taken delivery of uh, quite a few more of the uh, the F-A-18F Super Hornets. Um, so and those aircraft have been ord- ordered to replace the F-111. So, you know, one era ends, another era begins, and uh, on we go. The king is dead, long live the king, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. But wouldn't it be great? Imagine seeing three F-111s doing formation aerobatics at the next Avalon as they go bye-bye, because who cares? We're going to we're gonna scrap them. We don't worry anymore about their life expectancy. I mean, I've actually seen an F-111 do a loop. It was absolutely amazing. I, I, I think it was at 5,000 feet as it came around the top. Absolutely amazing view. And, and the barrel rolls and all that that they were doing uh, many years ago when they first got them out of the life extension program. Well, Grant, that gives me one more great segue. And speaking of life extension, I think you want to take yourself off to bed now. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll go put myself to bed with a nice lem sip and something else to help my throat, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Knock yourself yeah. out for a couple of days. Yeah, okay. Thanks, boss. I'll let them know at work. Yeah, have a couple of days off. I'll write you a certificate. Awesome. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, until next week, I, at least I know I'll be back next week and hopefully Grant will be too. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the croaking Grant McCarran. <laughs> Cheers, folks. <laughs>